Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio. My name is Sean. I'm your host, and it is Total Eclipse Day, so that's pretty exciting. First time that there's been a total eclipse in North America since 1979. So for those of you lucky enough to live in the path of the 100% total eclipse, uh, congratulations, I guess, and enjoy the uh, enjoy the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So, um, But with that being said, I do have a few interesting tech stories to cover with you guys. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in with today's tech download for Monday, August 21st, 2017. HTC has announced that it is dropping the price of the HTC Vive by $200 as it looks to compete with Facebook's aggressive VR pricing with the Oculus. This is a pretty aggressive price cut which will lower the price of the Vive from $799 to $599. This of course is probably in direct response to the fact that Oculus not only reduced the price of the Rift this year but then also announced that it would be having its Oculus summer long sales event which lowered the price of the Oculus Rift down to $399. At the start of 2017, both Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive were basically marketed and priced at around $800. So we've obviously seen some pretty hefty price cuts in the VR space pretty quickly. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with the fact that there's probably not a whole lot of people jumping in on VR due to the sort of high price point of entry. You have to have not only the Vive or the Oculus Rift itself, but a pretty beefy computer to be able to run it. So the price cut may help sort of coax some of those individuals that were looking from the outside in and saying, maybe I'd like to have this VR experience, but I'm just not willing to invest that much money. Even after Facebook ends the Oculus summer-long sales event, the Oculus Rift will still retail for $499, which will still put it $100 cheaper than the HTC Vive's new pricing. So I don't know if this is going to be a huge deal in terms of making people want to go out and buy an HTC Vive or an Oculus Rift, but I can tell you having owned both of these units, there are some pretty amazing experiences to be had inside of a VR experience. There's just something unique and very mesmerizing about being thrown completely into this immersive world world, but I will say that uh, there are still a lot of kinks to be worked out with VR as an experience. I'm not one to particularly get motion sickness uh, very easily, but I can tell you that after spending a few hours in either of the HTC Vive or Oculus Rift, you do have sort of this weird disconnected from reality sort of feeling, and it did make me a little bit queasy, and I noticed that there was an even longer recovery time from when you take the, the VR headset off, so rather than actually feeling too queasy or motion sick with the headset on during actual gameplay. It was more about how I felt after taking it off and going back to sort of the real world and and walking around or doing something um, that required me to be moving around. I always felt a little bit just sort of weird. I can't really explain it. One thing you can definitely hope would come out of this aggressive price reduction into the entry of VR is that the more people that have the VR headsets in their possession, then the more developers will want to make content for these VR platforms. And that can only lead to more VR sales and then hopefully a second generation version of both the Vive and the Rift. Um, I don't know, have you guys tried any of the VR headsets? And if you have, which one? And let me know what you think of the VR experience. And if you haven't, let me know why this price cut might push you into making a decision to purchase the Vive or the Rift. Let me know. Evan Blass of EV Leaks is at it again with some potential image leaks of the LG V30. The LG V30 will be the next flagship device from LG, which will be a follow-up and sort of a evolution of the LG G6. 
The leaked images in question show a device that seems to be of premium build quality, looks like it's aluminum and glass, and the front of the phone looking very similar to the Galaxy S8 with very thin top and bottom bezels and virtually no bezels on the side. We do know that the LG V30 will have a 6-inch OLED display with a 2 to 1 aspect ratio and maintain the same dimensions of the existing G6 shape. This should make for a relatively compact size considering that it is a smartphone with a 6-inch display. We're really getting into the thick of the premium high-end flagship smartphone wars right now with both the Samsung Galaxy S8 already having launched and Apple getting ready to unveil the next version of the iPhone. And then you have some of the alternate brand devices like the OnePlus 5, which I recently did a review on here on Gadget Reason Radio, as well as the Essential Phone from Andy Rubin, which is getting ready to ship to customers in the next five to seven days. I should have mine next week and I'll be doing a review of that as well. One of my biggest concerns for the success of any of these alternate brands, and when I say alternate brands, I'm speaking of anything outside of Samsung and Apple, is the fact that they don't seem to quite get the pricing. I think we're getting to a point now where any smartphone manufacturer not named Samsung or Apple needs to strongly reconsider their price points. I think that right now, the OnePlus 5 is really the only alternate brand smartphone that has a premium build quality and high-end flagship type specifications that can really give people a compelling reason to consider it, because at a 400 $79 price point, it's significantly cheaper than flagship devices from Samsung and Apple. But if you're going to release a high-end flagship device with premium build quality like the LG V30 looks to be and the Essential Phone clearly is, you're going to have to give people a compelling reason to buy that over the premium phones from the major manufacturers. And pricing your phone at $799 or $699 is really not going to cut it. So here's the question for everybody out there listening. If you were gonna buy a phone outside of the Samsung Galaxy S8 or Note 8 or the iPhone, which phone would you buy? And would you still be willing to pay those top tier prices of seven to $800? Or would you be looking to get something that's around 450 to 500 bucks? Let me know. Microsoft has announced some PC specification details for Forza Motorsport 7. Today, Microsoft has unveiled the minimum and recommended PC specifications for running the game at various different resolutions. On the minimum required spec side of things, if you're looking to run the game at about 720p at 60 frames per second, you can probably get away with a Core i5-750 or an AMD FX6300 CPU, 8GB of RAM, and either a GT740 or a Radeon R7250X. Now all of those specs are not particularly new or expensive, so most people should probably be able to get to that minimum level without too much difficulty. However, if you want to go with the recommended specifications, you might be able to get the game to look a little bit closer to what it might look like on the Xbox One S, running at 1080p 60 frames per second. For that, you'll need a Core i5-4660 or an FX8350 CPU, 8GB of RAM, and a GTX 1050 Ti or Radeon RX 560. Microsoft also lists some of the specifications you might want. If you did want to run the game at 4K resolution and 60 frames per second, you'll probably need a Core i7-6700K or a Ryzen 7 CPU with 16 gigabytes of RAM and a GTX 1080 or RX Vegas 64 graphics card. Now those are some pretty pricey specs. That would probably put you in a PC build that's creeping up on the $3,000 mark. One of the things you always have to look at when you're looking at a game developer's specifications for running a certain game on a PC is that there's obviously no way they're going to list all the different specifications to get you everything in between 
minimum recommended and maxed out specification. For me, I'm probably gonna be trying to run Forza 7 on a 1440p setup at 60 frames per second, and I think I'll be able to get away with that on my Core i5 rig that's running a GTX 970 that's overclocked. If I can, I'll lower things down to 1080p to maintain the higher visual fidelity settings. Another aspect that you have to consider when buying Forza 7 for the PC is the overall size. It looks to be one of the largest PC games ever made, coming in at about 100 gigabytes of install space. Now that obviously doesn't account for any of the DLC that is most likely going to be coming out for Forza 7 over the next months and years, so keep that in mind when you're thinking about what kind of storage space you might have on your SSD. Obviously you have the two extremes, you have the small group of people that might be trying to run this on the minimum required specs, and probably just as small of a percentage of people looking to run it on the maxed out 4K specs, but there's a heck of a lot of room in between there to get a really great looking version of the game running without having to break the bank. What I'd like to know is what kind of specs do you guys have if you're planning to run Forza 7, and is Forza 7 the type of game that would make you run out and purchase upgrades for your PC gaming rig? Let me know. In other Microsoft news, yesterday the Xbox One X Project Scorpio Edition went on sale for pre-order. The Project Scorpio Edition is a limited edition version of the Xbox One X console that can be purchased for $499.99, which is the exact same price as the standard edition Xbox One X. The limited edition Project Scorpio Edition Xbox One X comes with a Project Scorpio inscription on both the console and the controller, and aside from that, it looks to be basically the same exact unit that the regular Xbox One X will be when it ships November 7th. Microsoft also made an announcement confirming 100 plus games that have enhanced features for the Xbox One X. Microsoft also announced some of the branding guidelines for Xbox One X enhanced titles, describing that they will indicate whether or not games will support 4K resolution, high dynamic range color, or other Xbox One X enhanced visual upgrades. I think having a set of specific branded guidelines to help people see what the specific features they can get from having a Xbox One X enhanced version of a game are is a really good idea, but I still think that Microsoft has a huge challenge on their hands trying to convince people exactly what they're going to get from paying that premium price of the Xbox One X. It's also going to be really key to see exactly how well the Xbox One X performs compared to the promises that Microsoft made when they unveiled the console at E3. Obviously, 4K gaming and HDR content are continuing to push forward and become sort of mainstream, but the real test is going to be to see how well the Xbox One X actually performs and if it really does run games at a native 4K resolution and can achieve frame rates at 30 to 60 frames per second, that's really going to be what determines the true value of the Xbox One X. Obviously, if Microsoft can achieve even half of what they promised with the Xbox One X, it's going to be the cheapest way to get 4K gaming because as we've already seen in the PC gaming space, achieving 4K 60 frames per second gaming definitely involves spending a heck of a lot more than 500 bucks. What do you guys think about the Xbox One X and its ability to run 4K games at 60 frames per second? Do you think it's actually going to be able to meet Microsoft's stated specifications or do you think it's going to fall short of consumer expectations? Let me know. Intel has announced its latest 8th generation core processors today for laptops, promising that the new chips will offer about a 40% speed boost over the previous 7th generation Kaby Lake chips. The new chips from Intel will come in the form of two new Core i7 chips and two new Core i5 chips, both in the company's U-series of laptop processors. The internal architecture of the new chips is the same as the existing 7th generation Kaby Lake lineup, but there's some significant speed improvements compared to the last generation of up to about 40%. 
The speed bump is mostly due to the fact that all four chips will now contain four cores and eight threads as opposed to the previous generation, which in some cases had two cores. The new chips are said to be designed around handling things like 4K video, VR, and 3D, with Intel rebranding the HD 620 graphics to UHD 620 graphics. The renaming of the GPU is mostly just for cosmetic purposes, as the integrated GPU remains basically unchanged from the previous version of the Kaby Lake mobile processors. This is one of those situations where I would recommend if you've bought a laptop in the last year or so and you're already running on the latest Kaby Lake chips, you're probably safe and shouldn't really feel any need to hurry up and want to rush out and buy a new laptop or upgrade. If you are in the market for a new laptop though, I would probably recommend waiting until September or so when the newest version of the Kaby Lake chips are in all of the current OEM laptops and then make your purchase then so you can take advantage of the extra 40% or so speed increase that's in this new version of the Intel Kaby Lakes. So keep that in mind if you're hunting around for new laptops in the near future. And that's going to do it for today's tech download. One thing I did want to mention before I head off is that yesterday was Donkey Kong Jr.'s 35th birthday. So there's a little retro gaming fact for you. It was 35 years ago on August 20th that Donkey Kong Jr. was released to arcades all around the world. And I actually have an arcade cabinet sitting in my dining room. So I've gone ahead and loaded up Donkey Kong Jr. on that to run for the rest of the day today, just in honor of that classic game that everybody has played at least once, I'm sure. So go ahead and wish Donkey Kong Jr. a happy belated birthday. Also, if you don't follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc., you can do that at Gadget Reason. And be sure to tune in tomorrow for the next tech download. That's it for me. Have a great afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow.